With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to Wealth Psychology with Emily Bouchard on Sylvia Global Radio. Good morning. Oh, it's a great day. I am here live from Tucson, Arizona, where I went to uh, Miraval, which is an extraordinary, just beautiful, peaceful uh, retreat center and spa and resort um, just outside of Tucson and uh, got a chance to uh, preview a rough cut of a movie again that I actually had seen up in Seattle uh, and with the island uh, called Money and Life by um, a woman named Katie Teague who uh, decided that it was important for us to start having a different conversation about money. And she uh, went around and interviewed world thinkers, economists, the former head of J.P. Morgan, really exceptional people in this film, Lynn Twist, the author of The Soul of Money, and uh, she wanted to start an evocative conversation and get people really thinking about our relationship to money. And we just had a fabulous time last night with a group of women and a few very um, aware men who wanted to be a part of the conversation as well. And uh, we talked about the whole concept of how money is actually an invention that people created and that it was an agreement that we had uh, to really allow for the uh, the fluid exchange of gifts that we have and services. And it has grown to this really uh, astonishing proportion in our lives where we are we designed a world where our lives are basically dependent on having money. And... Uh, it's not necessarily that case. And it's really fascinating to start entering into a picture and a conversation around, oh, we created this. What else could we create? You know, this whole concept of this is our dream we're living in. We can we can kind of wake up within the dream and say, how do we want to change it? And one of the purposes that we feel uh, Sylvia Global represents and why we've chosen to be a part of this incredible network is it's all about changing the conversation around money and wealth and really, really giving people what it is that we're most hungry for, which is connection and to feel that we matter and that we we can engage in the world in really effective ways where we have contribution to make and that it goes way beyond money. And one of the biggest challenges that we find in our work with women in particular is uh, when they find themselves defined by their money and when they are the breadwinners or the one that's coming to the relationship with a greater amount of wealth or assets uh, and it's a significant disparity in the relationship or when they're dating and they're dating people where uh, you know they're having to contend with the fact that they're showing up with uh, possibly much more resources available to them than the men that they're interested in. And so we're dedicating this show to that uh, very important conversation. It came up a couple of shows ago when we had a caller call in uh, about to go to a women's conference in Rome where she's going to be presenting on um, sex, money, and relationships. And we had a conversation about the question related to what do you do when the woman is um, bringing in more money and has more money than the men. Um, and it was very vibrant and got us thinking a lot about it. And so we wanted to give our listeners a chance to really dive into this conversation more fully. You are so welcome to call in anytime at 347-215-6138. You can also go to Twitter 
and uh, you can go to Sylvia Global. And the, the hashtag that we're using is wealth psychology, all one word. Um, we're happy to have your questions come in via Twitter, um, via the call in number, and also you can go to uh, the Sylvia Global Facebook page, and you can post there too. And you can always uh, access this show at blogtalkradio.com forward slash backslash Sylvia Global. So to dive into this topic, one of the things we wanted to open up here is who is having this conversation and what are the concerns? So one thing that we have in our work is a really safe space for people to come and bring concerns, questions, worries, uh, doubts, hopes, um, where they feel like they're really going to be heard and listened to um, when they might not necessarily get the sympathy given in the general population because they are coming to these concerns because they have significant wealth or uh, just are, you know, in a powerful position in a, in a company or, you know, something where uh, there's prestige, there's power, there's um, engagement in the world. Uh, that doesn't necessarily fit traditional gender roles of women and men. So some of the questions and the concerns that we hear, depending on where you are in your relationship, range from if you're dating, when and how do I go about telling uh, the person that I'm seeing, whether it's a man or a woman, uh, about my net worth, my salary, my trust fund, um, and how is it that I can trust that they uh, will want to be with me and not just because I have um, more money, you know, that I, what's the reason why they're choosing to be with me? How do I set that up? So if you're dating, you may find that that question's in your mind. Uh, And of course, you know, this also applies to men. We're gearing this towards women because of the disparity in the gender roles, and we'll talk more about that as well. If you are dating very serious and an engagement has happened, then a big question and concern comes up around, um, do we have a prenup? Um, if we do need a prenup, if it's actually being imposed on me that I have to have a prenup, then it's about, uh, wow, how do I approach this conversation um, about drawing up a prenup uh, when it can be so emotional, when it's I don't want to piss them off, I don't want to push them away, I want to build a life with this person, how do I do that? So... Um, the, those are questions that we face with cleanup, and we work with couples to make it so that that conversation can actually strengthen the relationship going forward. Uh, so we can talk about that in particular. And then uh, we talk with people who um, are looking at they're married, they're raising children, and they're looking at how they're being role models and how they're modeling and showing up in terms of um, ongoing conflict around money differences around money, decision-making around it, especially when the woman is in more of a position of power and um, where uh, the, the other partner, if, it's a, if, it's, you know, if you're married, your husband, if you're a partnership with a man, if you're in partnership with a woman, is in a less than position. How do you navigate this effectively so it's healthy, so the kids really see what they can grow into for themselves in terms of how they're going to relate around money, um, in financial decisions with their partners. Uh, so those are some of the issues that we can talk about. And um, Jamie, uh, the person who's usually on this call with me, my business partner, the uh, founder of Wealth Legacy Group, uh, is located in Israel. And she's going to be with joining us via text because she uh, is having trouble with her connectivity and when we're dealing with being across a whole ocean and a couple of continents, we need to switch our sales and deal with, okay, there's other ways we can connect when we can't actually get onto a landline or a phone or in the Internet. So uh, one thing that we want to set up right from the beginning is, uh, along with hearing from one caller that this was an interesting question, something that they cared about, we also know the research shows that uh, over 32% of married couples in the U.S. are in this situation where uh, the woman is earning and holding more of the wealth in the the couple than the man. And it's definitely growing at a rapid rate. Uh, And what we want to do and what Jamie wants to make sure we cover is that um, we want to really look at how it is in your relationships 
um, when you are bringing more wealth, when you're bringing more resources, could be through your work, could be through inheritance. And those are different issues when it comes from those different places, uh, and we can address both of those for you as well. So again, if you want to call in about these topics, uh, the number is 347-215-6138, or you can Twitter, tweet us at uh, hashtag wealthpsychology. So uh, let's get started. I can just jump into some of these topics. One of the things in terms of dating. So if you're in a position where uh, you are single, you're successful, uh, perhaps you've um, been um, the beneficiary of a trust fund or uh, a family that has wealth and significance and status, uh, there's different levels at which you're going to be playing. So I want to speak into those. So certain people that are listening may actually have um, status where the name is recognized, where um, pretty soon after somebody meets them and knows their name, they're going to be able to Google them and find out that um, perhaps they own a number of um, uh, businesses in the area or in the, in the state or in the country with that family's name on it. Or... Uh, they uh, can find out pretty easily that that person's grandfather um, owned a a major uh, football team, you know, that sort of thing. Because of the way that the Internet works, it doesn't take long for somebody to actually easily find out a lot of history about you. I mean, I I was dating uh, somebody. I met him. He was completely not on the Internet. I couldn't find out anything about him. And he was able to find my maiden name, who my father was, and my master's thesis from uh, graduate school. And I was astonished. I was like, wow, I really need to look at what my identity is on the web. So you can imagine when you're dealing with a prominent family uh, name that can be recognized, um, that know immediately that whoever you're interacting with can know about you in way more details than you would ever have maybe wanted to let them know. And, you know, just another aside, because of how the Internet is, anything, anything, anything that you post, um, whether you think it's private, only going to your family, uh, people have ways of accessing that. So just be aware that whatever you put online is definitely accessible. And so privacy has taken on a whole other level. And, of course, you can do a lot of background checking around the people that you're dating. And, uh, you know, all fair. <laughs> I want to make sure that you know that you need to be smart about who you are seeing. And one of the things that we, uh, when we coach women in this particular situation and they're dating, and it may be just that, you know, you've gotten a promotion and you're now um, very high up in a company or perhaps you're CEO of a company or maybe you're running a family business, you know, whatever it might be, um, you obviously have some capacity to make the decisions around hiring people, knowing who the right people are that you can trust within your um, your work environment, um, perhaps within your home environment, who you would hire to bring into your home. You know, you're going to do background checks. You're going to look at references. You're going to find out who is this person. And, you know, with the advent of online dating, that's even more important because people can often present themselves differently than who they really are. Um, uh, just to give an aside around when I was dating this man who found out all about me on the Internet, the only reason that I continued to pursue seeing him when I couldn't find out about him on the Internet was um, I found out that um, uh, somebody who was a very dear friend of mine uh, knew this man, was very close to him and close to his wife um, uh, before his wife died. And so I had a personal person in my life that I trusted that knew this man in a number of different situations and I also got to watch the two of them interact and I learned a lot about him through that as well. So some of the things that we recognize are important for our clients to pay attention to are um, watching these people that they're interacting with that they're dating in a number of situations and really getting the data so what can happen is we can kind of get blinders sometimes in terms of how we really like somebody and we think they like us and um, we can 
bypass a lot of data that we're actually getting. And the other side is we can maybe be a little bit more uh, paranoid or um, overly cautious because of our uh, concern that maybe they only want to be with us because of the money. And that can also skew how we're looking at the data. So we want to invite you uh, to be like a participant observer. Uh, anthropologists do this when they're doing studies. So you're um, participating in the dating, you're participating in showing up and engaging, and then you're actually observing and taking note. You're watching and listening for how does this person respond or interact with me during certain topics in certain situations. I remember going on one date, had a lovely time. He was engaging. We had a phenomenal dinner. It was really exciting. He was very attractive. And we were leaving the table at the restaurant to go out, and I I forgot my shawl. And I turned to go back to the table to get my shawl, and he stood between me and the table, and his body became rock solid, and I actually bumped into him. And it did not change. There was nothing yielding about it. It was this very imposing, intimidating stance he automatically took. It was his automatic way of being. And immediately, my body let me know. It engaged to a place of, oh, there was immediate fear and acknowledgement of this be a dangerous man. It was the first time I met him, and I definitely took in that information. And I told him what I needed to do, and then he he waited for a minute, and then he, it was like he gave me permission with his body to go get my salt. And I have to tell you, it was this was maybe a 30-second interaction, if, if that. And I got a ton of data. And one of the key things that we uh, really stress with our clients is the importance of listening to your body. My body told me immediately that I needed to pay attention. I felt it in my gut. I had a shot of energy go up my spine. And some people will interpret something like that as um, uh, evocative, as um, hot, as um, exciting. Just notice if there's other things that you need to pay attention to as well. Um, I've been working with a client who uh, has been in a really, really difficult relationship for two years with somebody who had a very dom- had a very domineering um, personality. And at first, she was very engaged and intrigued and loved the um, what she experienced as playfulness and this kind of dominant submission way of interacting. And um, she is now in this downward spiral with him where he holds all of the control, all of the power, and she, even though she has more money, she has more capacity to actually be very powerful in the world, um, she has given all of that away in order to be with him. And it's um, uh, she's working with uh, me in terms of trying to get her power back and not be, uh, not have lost it so much in terms of getting love. So uh, getting that data can be really important early on because it's a lot harder to get out once you're in and... Um, you're engaged in that pattern. Um, so some, some things to look for in terms of trusting yourself uh, are really listening and knowing your body. And if you're not sure, if you don't know if you can trust your body, maybe you've had um, some relationships that you've gotten to the point where you don't really trust yourself and how you assess the, the person that you're dating, uh, you should definitely watch and notice and get data with this person and uh, how they are with your friends. So you want to do social situations. If they say, no, no, I don't want to go out with your friends, that's good data. Uh, If they um, are disrespectful to you in front of them, that's really good data. If they are honoring, respectful, but maybe they're a little too friendly with your friends. You know, you want to be really looking and then you want to be connecting with your friends around... uh, what they see, and really listen and gather it. Even don't go to defensiveness. And there's going to be a part of you that's going to want to defend him or her. There's a part of you that's going to want to really um, make sure that they see that person that you care about in the best light. But know that these people are your advocate. They love you, and they want what's best for you. And sometimes we can lose sight of that. So if you're not so sure about trusting yourself, definitely trust your friends. 
Now, let's see. We have a Facebook question. Thanks for writing in. Uh, The question is, going into our marriage, I was making more than my soon-to-be husband. He was okay with that, but it was others in the community who made comments or raised eyebrows. What advice can you give to encourage and reaffirm his masculinity to others outside the relationship that respond this way so that they will respect them? Oh, thank you for asking that question. I'm happy to jump into that next domain of this concern about when is a disparity. Oh, and I love how you said that in terms of affirming his masculinity. Uh, Again, we have really strong gender roles in our world, in our relationships. And um, men uh, really have uh, a sense of vitality and strength and um, accessing their masculinity when they're producing. There's been a lot of research around this. And um, for them to feel like they're producing for the woman in their life or perhaps the other man in their life, we want to make sure we're really clear that we honor whatever relationship people are in. We are speaking about marriage here because this is somebody who's um, engaged and loves this man and it's a woman and they are getting married. So I'm going to be speaking into that directly. And so ways that um, the two of you as a couple can feel really great about the agreements that you have around how and in what ways he's contributing, he's producing, and um, that feel really good to you all and then he can stand really tall and firm in that. And we often recommend uh, uh, encouraging the man to have a really good humor around it and to have some really um, easy comebacks around it and uh, ways of kind of deflecting it. And, uh, you know, it could be one of those things of, uh, yeah, you know, it, like preemptively, like, yeah, I really got lucky and so did she. We um, we have an extraordinary partnership that I wish you and others could have as well, and I hope that you do too, where you frame it from the standpoint of the we, uh, the partnership, and um, how fortunate both of you feel. Um, and then continue to embody and emulate that. And so ways men that can produce in situations where the wife, the fiancé, um, is contributing more to the marriage financially is to really expand out your definition of wealth and contribution. So things like um, uh, how do we have more creativity and fun in our lives? How do we um, show up in our community as leaders and really giving back? How do we um, show up for our children um, and just schools that our children are in in a way that really um, promotes our values? How do we enrich our lives by coming from that place? And uh, co-designing, co-creating that. When we work with people um, using um, what we call a rich life portfolio, we support couples in uh, clarifying not just your values, but how you embody and live those in your lives um, as a partnership. And so where money is one facet of the equation, but where there's so many other facets of the equation. And so we really look at, hey, what are the assets he's bringing to the relationship? You know, if this caller was on the phone, I would be asking her things like, um, you know, what are the strengths, the talents, the gifts, the abilities that this man is bringing to the relationship that has you saying, yes, I want to spend the rest of my life with this man. And then, you know, what oftentimes these could be qualities that money couldn't buy um, and that uh, make it so they're invaluable. And then there's also other qualities that are extraordinarily helpful. You know, um, perhaps uh, the, the woman who's coming into the marriage is really good at producing the money and then the two of you work together in terms of um, how to be really rigorous in terms of how you're managing, stewarding, and being very smart about it, and where he is there totally empowering her um, and making sure that you know, he's doing the research, he's coming up with the strategies, and then um, working with the advisors with her so that she's empowered and educated in those conversations so that um, the two of you are working as a really effective team around that and where um, 
it's like, yeah, she's bringing the uh, initial money to the, the table. And then, you know, we as a couple, we are looking at how are we going to um, take care of this and have it grow and how to expand it and how to um, really um, save it and also share it, how to give it away in ways that really are keeping with our um, our values. Um, and one of the things that happened in the conversation that I was in last night is uh, the movie was very evocative in terms of uh, having people in the financial world um, speaking about ways of um, interacting with our money that is much more strategic and where we're aware of what we're investing in. And so that's another way that a man who's not necessarily bringing as much of the money to the relationship can really be of service by doing the due diligence, by really looking into, hey, what can we invest in that really emulates our values, like companies that um, uh, don't use child labor or that um, are really into low impact and sustainability or that are local, really looking at our local economy and how to um, invest in people that are doing good works right here where we are. Um, whatever you said, those are just examples of the values people have and then how to do that, you know, strengthening our country, strengthening um, third world countries, whatever it might be, there are tremendous investment opportunities that can happen, uh, microfinance opportunities. So using that creativity and engaging the whole family in that discussion or maybe he could be the spearhead of it. And then, it, and then you can have a lot of good humor around it where it's, um, yeah, I, you know, we've got the best of both worlds. She brings home the bacon and then we fry it together in the pan. And boy, do we have a lot of fun enjoying it, nourishing ourselves, and then looking at how we're giving it to others and really making it work and supporting that farm that that bacon's coming from. And um, where he, however he wants to be of contribution gets to be on it as well. So I hope that answers that question sufficiently and um, happy to answer more. If you are listening live, you can call in 347-215-6138. You can tweet us at hashtag Wealth Psychology, and you can also go to our Facebook page, uh, Sylvia Global. And thanks so much for listening. We are on the Wealth Psychology program here. I'm Emily Bouchard from the Wealth Legacy Group. And uh, Jamie Trigamini is working feverishly to get on this call. She's actually texted that she's um, coming up with other creative solutions and going to somebody else's home whose Internet is working. So we'll see what happens. She contacts us for this call from Israel. So uh, it's an extraordinary thing when technology works and it's seamless, and it's always interesting when it doesn't and how we get to be creative and as we say with our clients all the time, shift our sails when the wind shifts direction. Doesn't doesn't really serve us to get upset or um, uh, in this awful place because things aren't happening the way we want. We just get clear and we have a direction we're going in. If the winds shift direction, we move our sails and have them shift in that direction so we can keep tacking and going where we're going. It may not look like how we thought it was going to look, but we can still get there. So uh, going on, we talked a bit about dating. We talked a little bit about marriage and there's disparity. Um, I want to talk a little bit about prenups. It's such a loaded conversation. We could devote a whole show just about this. When you're in a situation as a woman who's coming to a relationship and you have significant assets and wealth, perhaps from trust, perhaps from being an inheritor in other ways, perhaps from what you have just built up in your savings and your stock options from your role as a, a really successful woman professionally, perhaps through your company that you've created. Uh, it's very important that you look at, wow, I I love the old vision of meeting somebody, falling in love, um, and we're going to be together for the rest of our lives. And holding that as the intentionality when you're when you're getting married, and also knowing that there's a strong reality that's facing us in the world, which is that the vast majority of couples um, will not stay together. And it's unfortunate that uh, it is the case. And typically, it's a, it's a short time of seven years. 
and it's super unfortunate. And I want to make sure that you know that we want to support you in having the strongest, healthiest, vital relationship you can for as long as you're together and with the commitment of going forward for being for the rest of your lives and also setting up a very, very strong foundation for that. And one of the things that we speak into for people in this situation is being able to navigate and have the conversation around the cleanup effectively, respectfully, in a way that honors all the concerns, in a way that really uh, has your uh, both of your needs be respected, expressed, uh, where there's a lot of safety, will do wonders for your relationship because research has shown that one of the number one reasons why couples don't stay together is ongoing conflicts around money. And that's one of the reasons we're so passionate about doing this work. If anything we can do to bring more peace and fulfillment to relationships, we want to do. And money is such a taboo subject. And we haven't had it role modeled how to have these conversations effectively. So we either don't have the conversations and a lot of resentment builds up and undercurrents happen that end up getting acted out and end up producing the results that we didn't want which is when the marriage and the relationship in the first. And so it's a bit of a um, surprising, ironic twist. But when we actually take the time and put the energy and invest in uh, starting out right by saying, look, not planning for divorce, what we're doing is taking care of and being very smart and savvy around, hey, life can throw us different curveballs. How do we want to be prepared for those? And how do we really want to take care of these? And uh, being proactive and being smart. And it's just like if you were given a bunch of money out of the blue, you'd want to be as smart as you possibly could around what you're doing with that money now and in the future. And it's about being a really good, wise steward of it. And the more you invest up front in understanding this whole phenomenon, the better. And we do uh, clean-up weekends for couples, and there's other great professionals out there that can work with couples around how to have this conversation in a way that makes it so you feel like, wow, we can have a conversation about anything and do it well and be very effective and strengthen our union. And one of the things that we put forward is that you can completely have your financial concerns for you for your future children that you want to have together, for the bloodline perhaps that you're a part of that you may not even have any say in. You may have a lot of emotion around the fact that you're being told you have to have a prenup and you don't even necessarily want one. And then you also may have the situation where um, you know that you want to have this prenup. It's very important to you and you want your partner to feel totally honored and respected. And you can craft and create this in a way where uh, you can design your prenup to honor your relationship and your values moving forward. And we're going to talk more about that. I want to welcome Jamie to the show. Jamie, you are one resourceful cookie. Thanks for being here. (laughs) Thank you. It's a good thing we had our show on uh, what to do when the unexpected comes up, because this was definitely unexpected on multiple levels, but I'm thrilled and delighted to be here, and I appreciate you uh, taking over the reins. Oh, yeah. I know you're going to be doing it at some point when I'm unable to get on a call or on on this show, so (laughs) thanks for being here. I don't know how much you've been able to hear. Um, Just to catch you up and the listeners up, we've been talking about um, women who are uh, uh, feminine breadwinners, the asset holders, the ones that are coming to the relationship with more than their partners. Um, and we've been talking about it in terms of dating, uh, just began to open up the conversation around prenups, and we had a really fabulous question come in around marriage and um, how to really uh, allow and shore up a man's masculinity and his identity in the world when uh, they as a couple may feel really strong in who they are, and but also wanting the world to respect him and not just see him as... Um, you know, a freeloader. So those are some of the things that we've been addressing. Um, And, you know, I love that you get to be here because you are such a 
uh, you love taking the input. I know you've done quite a bit of background and research on this topic as well. So wanted to know if you had any thoughts you wanted to add in at this time. Um, and then we'll, we'll see if there are other callers that call in. And, oh, let me give the number out before um, you, you start. Um, the numbers you want to call in to ask your question about this topic or anything to do with uh, wealth psychology, uh, the number is 347-215-6138. You can also tweet us at hashtag wealth psychology, and you can Facebook us at Sylvia Global uh, at, on Facebook. So, Welcome, Jamie. Thank you. I would say um, that this is a tremendously important issue, particularly as the numbers are increasing every day. You know, we're, we're soon coming upon 50% of households having this situation. And particularly with, you know, the breadwinner sometimes comes from making the money themselves and sometimes it's an inheritance. And um, but always we hear it as a huge concern for both women and men. And it's one of the most um, pertinent issues that clients come to us and also that the research shows. So we are delighted to be able to answer people's questions and really start to open up this conversation. Yes. And uh, one of the things we want to make sure is that we also want to be a resource for people. And so um, – along with, you know, we can quote statistics and those sorts of things. We also want to make sure you know that there's some great books out there that can really support you. And one of the ones that um, we found to be very evocative, there's there's one called Breadwinner Wives and the, the Men That They Marry, which is, um, of course, just says it all right there. And that is by uh, Randy Minotaur. And then the other one that's really... Um, Evocative is Rocking Your Role by Jenny Garrett. And Jenny's great. And she uh, really just goes down the list and speaks directly into the challenges that we work with couples on and women in this situation. And one of the big issues that women in this situation face in our culture is that uh, just, uh, because we're in these gender roles as well, we, we can be really... Uh, uh, impacted by not only are we working really hard and we're the ones that are bringing in uh, the majority of the money, but we also are the ones that are expected or take on and continue to take on the role of the household chores, the household keeping, making sure that all the food and the laundry and all of the different aspects of life happen or dialed in. And one of the things that was fascinating in the research, and uh, this uh, was through, um, I think I don't think it was from that book. It was from another um, article. Is that research showed? This is so interesting. And Jamie, I want your thoughts on this as well. When <laughs> I got really heated up when I heard this. When women bring more to the marriage financially, men end up doing less of the housework. And it was quite extraordinary to read that. It was like wait a second, the disparity, it's like the women have to take on even more. And you want to say something about it, Jamie, and then we can go into why the researchers think this is the case? Well, I mean, it's tremendous to think that as we, the, the original thought when women started to work more was that there would be this exchange theory, that as women took on more outside work, there would be a natural equalization of what happened in the home because they were also splitting what happened outside. And that was the prediction. They thought, oh, great, we'll be able to throw out traditional gender roles and, you know, we'll move forward with a new culture where men and women split responsibilities both inside and outside the household. And it seems that that, you know, prediction really didn't come true at all. And it's very fascinating, Emily, the, um, what the researchers found, because, you know, you sort of want to, jump, you know, you, you and I are two women, jump to vilifying the men, and it really is a shared responsibility in terms of what researchers were finding. Um, they found that there was a component of what was happening with the men, but there was also a big component of what was happening for women, that because our culture passed down that women should be the, the you know, hearth keepers and raise the children and keep the house and that when you walk into a house, you think, you know, if the house is clean, that's because of the woman. If the house is dirty, that's because of the woman. 
that women were really taking that role on. And they were feeling that they didn't want to emasculate their husbands. They didn't, they were feeling guilty about um, working so many hours. And then they felt that they still had to do these things in the household to keep their femininity. So uh, it was very interesting that they could have one role outside and then come into the household and come into very gendered stereotype roles that happen between the couples. And I want to, you know, I'm, I'm curious to hear your reaction to that, Emily, as a working woman. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting because there's a sense of, wow, as much as a man may be judged um, externally by, you know, he's, you know, is he a freeloader, there's this other thing in terms of the cultural expectations. And I was, um, when we were doing the research for this um, and, and our work, you know, when we found out uh, Sarah Rayleigh, who's a researcher on um, uh, gender uh, distribution and with, when there's um, income disparity, um, she's from the University of Maryland, she made it really clear that it's all about the expectations about um, what you're going to do as a mother and as a wife and then what fathers are supposed to do. And so there's all this, like, it's not about our biology. And it's, it's again, it's this, I started out the show by talking about how money is an agreement we have. And it's something that's man-made, and it's a decision that we made about how we were going to interact. And we can change that story if we're not happy with what's happening. And the same is true about our gender roles. And that we are really impacted by our societal standards and expectations that we place on ourselves and that we believe is the right and only way to be that we fall into without necessarily questioning. And what I love about our work, Jamie, is that we really blow the lid off of that. We support people in a bunch of effective ways looking at what are the historical patterns and the um, stories that we've gone into that um, have shaped our reality and where are the ones that we really love and embrace and want to go forward with? And where are the ones that we are ready to let go of and say, how do I want to create my life? I'm the script writer. I am the storyteller of this life. What could it look like within the confines of this culture that I'm in? And as a partnership, when we work with couples, it is all about life design. And I'd love for you to speak a little bit about that, Jamie, because I know how passionate you are about, you know, designing your future now. Oh, but wait, can you hold that, Jamie? Because we have Stephen on the line calling in from California. Stephen, are you there? Oh. Stephen? Um, yes, hello. Hi, welcome to the, Hi, call. Thank you. the call. Thank you for so much for calling into the show. What can we do for you? All right. Well, right now I'm currently the breadwinner, but once once our once my wife and I have children, and uh, we we don't know what age yet, but we're looking at transitioning from me being the breadwinner to her being the breadwinner, and kind of how have you seen what have you seen like that transition from um, a male breadwinner household to a female breadwinner household? I guess would be my question or any, anything related to to that type of transition. That's, That's a great question. question. So, so conscious. We work with a lot of that? people who are doing that kind of transition and, and even transition in and out because being the breadwinner, as you made such a great point, isn't a static thing. It isn't like you get a tattoo on your arm and says breadwinner and you're the breadwinner forevermore. There can be periods of time when you switch in and out and it can be very fluid. So during that transition period, what's great is to Sit down with your partner and think about what are, as Emily started to speak about, when you're designing your future, what are your goals? What is it that you want to create for your family? You know, what, what kind of money do you need to earn to have the lifestyle that you want? What kind of time do you want to spend with your children, with one another, in work, out of work? You know, as, as Emily said earlier, money is something we designed. It's a tool. There are a lot of other tools and resources that families need to bring, that parents need to bring to a household. There's time. There's money. There's what people are talented in. There's what they want to do. So being able to sit down and organize yourselves around what your goals are and then who's most use, who's most 
adept at doing it. You know, Emily and I are partners in our business, and there's things that she does very effortlessly and would take me forever to do. Um, so instead of me breaking my teeth doing it, we're designing our work situation in a way that those are the things that Emily does. And likewise, there's things that come very easily and enjoyably to me but aren't as desirable to Emily. So you can do the same thing in a partnership that's, that's two parents and really designing how much time do we each want with the kids? What kind of relationship do we want our kids to have with a parent? Um, what kind of hours do we want to each work? And then it's all just a matter of saying, you might decide you, you want to work very little. Okay, well, then we, have to, we might have to adjust our lifestyle to support that. Or we might want to be doing a lot more and you have to, in, in terms of finances. So you adjust your lifestyle in that way. And it's a continued conversation. And Emily, you want to add to that? Yeah, um, great question. I'm so glad you called in. The other thing is, here are some things to watch out for that you guys want to be proactive as you're designing this together. And I love that you are thinking ahead about it and you have that capacity to do that. So um, one of the things that's really important is that um, to avoid resentment building up is um, that there's a sense of uh, the home life um, having very clear roles and understandings about who's responsible for what in a way that feels very fair and honoring of both of you. Um, and where you guys are clear on what the standards are, right? So let's say um, she has a standard that um, the uh, the kitchen is always completely wiped down and spotless before you go to bed. And it's your role to clean up the kitchen. And your standard is, you know, it's fine for dishes to be in the drainer and to drip, drip dry. And um, it's okay for a pot to be soaking, right? So you're, you're more, you have a different standard for the kitchen. So if she wants to give you, and you agree that you're doing the role of keeping the kitchen clean, she needs to be okay with that standard of cleanliness and that you all have an agreement about that up front. And you can apply that to any aspect of your home. Um, and that's very important. And then the other one is giving her space to really drop into her feminine when she comes home. She's been out there in the world. She's been in her more masculine role to producing. And when she comes home, she wants to rest in being in the space of her man producing for her. And, like, little things, like... Um, Oh, I remember one woman telling us about how um, her husband would draw her a bath and then he would put her towel in the dryer so that when she got out of the bath, he would give her a warm towel. And I can't tell you what that small little thing does for a woman in terms of having her feel so held, nurtured, and understood. Uh, so that's just one example. You'll know what are the things that are really going to nurture her. Another woman I'm working with, her uh, uh, her husband makes her a hot fudge Sunday and brings it to bed. And then they have their kind of um, uh, taking apart the day and really connecting around ice cream Sundays when they want to do that. Um, so you'll, you'll come up with your little rituals, but you want to make sure that you have time as a couple and uh, to really just drop in and connect and one of the things that happens in situations where the woman takes on that role of being the breadwinner is she, if she takes on a lot of the household responsibilities as well and doesn't feel like she can trust you to take care of them, she will end up harboring some resentment and feel really exhausted. If you're noticing that, you want to look at, hey, how, baby, how do we shift this? How do I really, what, what is it that's not getting met here? that uh, would really make it so that we you, we can both be satisfied. And then for you, you got to make sure you have something that is um, uh, enlivening for you and engaging you in your passion and what you care about um, so that um, as much as you are parenting and being home with the, the kids, which is so powerful, that you have a sense of your identity being more than just that. It's very important um, for anybody in that role. Jamie, were you going to say something? Um, I was going to say also that I think it's important to remember you talked about earlier, Emily, about splitting up the expectations. And um, I think sometimes uh, 
what gets lost in when somebody is managing the household is that sometimes partners think, well, we're both doing the same amount. And they forget that the management position of planning the meals, making the grocery list, you know, thinking about whose, uh, you know, permission slip needs to be um, signed, that might not look like an active role, and that is a really important role in the family, and it takes up a lot of time and energy. So thinking about who's going to manage the household, too, is a big step. And then having that person be the person who gets deferred to so that if you're the one home, you get to claim that as your domain and sort of um, work with, um, you know, these are the things that we need done, who wants to take what responsibility. Um, I see with couples all the time that that piece just gets missed and people forget that that actually takes up a lot of time um, for the person who's at home. So I think that's a, a, an important piece to remember as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Stephen, does that answer your question? Yes, thank you. Great. Thank you for calling Thanks in. for your call. <laughs> yeah, we wish you guys the best success. It's such a, a great thing to have a partnership where you're already in that conversation. Great. Well, I want to make sure that we um, cover more of this um, uh, topic in terms of uh, kind of delineating some of the main challenges that um, women in this position can face. Uh, and uh, if you wanted to try and call in, we, we, we're a little bit short on time, but the number is 347-215-6138, or you can tweet your question to hashtag wealthpsychology. Um, we're on Sylvia Global uh, Radio Network, and we are talking about wealth psychology. And the uh, main thing we want to get across is that women in this position can have a number of different challenges that they face and that we work with them. And the reason we're talking about wealth psychology is this is what falls into the domain of the psychology of, of um, the emotional impact of all of this. So um, women can often encounter experiences of guilt and, uh, again, feeling like no matter what they do, they're not doing enough in whatever the role that they're in, um, especially when uh, children are in the equation. Um, they can also see and um, be driven a little bit by fear and worry um, where the, the temporariness of, of this, it could all be gone or... Um, Perhaps there's a sense of um, uh, denial, like, oh, it's only going to be this way for a little while until he makes it big um, when it's not necessarily going to be the case. So really, again, having the data and looking at what's happening. And then we work a lot with couples and with women around life balance and having a sense of their overall well-being as they're being well, how they're looking at taking care of all these different domains of life in a way that feels more in sync for them and their values. When we find ourselves living and coming from a place that's not necessarily where our values are, we will be out of balance and it will start showing up in our health and in feeling exhausted and uh, frazzled and resentful. Those are all really good indicators about that. Jamie? This piece about balance, like, you know, we can't stress it enough. I think that part of where um, couples get out of balance in this sense is because there's so many loud messages in our culture about how it's supposed to be done. And so I, you know, find particularly with women, there's almost a Doris Day syndrome when you're out and you're working and then you think there's always that one um, parent and your, your kid's class is doing tons of art projects, who's volunteering, who always makes food. And, you know, we have so many clients who have that voice going, okay, great, I'm really doing well in my career, you know, I'm, you know, really earning money for our family, and I'm never volunteering in the classroom, and I'm not the mother who brings the treats, and I don't have the really fun birthday parties. Um, so there has to be a right. sense of balance there too. Right, we can't um, all again, be we can't all be Martha Stewart either. Yeah, Jamie, I, I, I absolutely. Up, I call it the Doris Day syndrome. Yeah, uh, we have. You know, uh, that, we, 
Jamie, we have we have Sarah on the line with just a few minutes left. I'd love to be able to get her question. I'm sorry to cut you off. Right. Um, now I'm Sarah, what's on the question? line? Well, I was just wondering, um, how does it? What advice could you give when the woman works from home? So, you know, sometimes I kind of feel like I should be able to do more housework um, because he leaves for work and I work from home, but then my work keeps me busy all day, and so I still kind of can't really get into the the major housework until the end of the day. Do you have any advice on how to balance the household um, maintenance, oh, I guess, yeah. in that situation? Great. This is great. Great Such question. a great question, Sarah. Oh, my gosh. One, Jamie and I both can speak into that one. Jamie, you want to? Yes. Yeah. We know intimately. I, you know, I work out of the home. My husband goes out, and it is very tempting you know, I think it's about having very clear expectations about who's doing what and saying just because I work in the house doesn't mean that I'm available. So, you know, I have like a hotel thing on my door, do not disturb, and I've got to make it really clear to my kids, I can't take you on carpools at this time. You know, and if we're going to build it in with my husband, then it's like, okay, so that's time during the day that I'm doing stuff that I might need to go back to work once the kids are put to bed. Um, it's really about transparency and having those open conversations, both with your partner and as kids get older with your kids because they see you there and they think, oh, I can just knock on the door and have mom take me, you know, to this place or that place to a friend's house. How about you, Emily? What, what do you see works well? A great question, Sarah. Um, one of the things that's really important is um, uh, having clear boundaries for yourself, too, because I also work with um, women in your situation, and I've encountered it, too, where once the kids go to bed and I've taken care of the household, I end up going back to work as well at home, too. And it's like it, it doesn't work. You need to have your time on the clock and your time off the clock. And um, being very clear about that. And whatever the hours are that you need to have, you need to be clear up front, make sure the family knows, and um, and that, you know, working, I got my working hat on. And when I'm not, I am home being the housewife. You know, and I really love uh, working with couples around having a really team spirit. And, uh, you know, when he's coming home, then it's like, okay, what are we cooking for dinner tonight? And, um, what, do we, what needs to get done tonight? Should we throw in some laundry while we're doing this? And So it's a we and there's enjoyment around it and um, things kind of flow in a really great way. So thanks for calling and in at the very end. Yeah? Yeah. Let's, I was just going to say, kids get older, it's great to include them. You know, we, you can have an hour before dinner where everybody's working towards getting dinner prepared and putting in laundry. Let's move quickly. We've got three more minutes, Emily. We've got some, um, as always, we like to leave our listeners with some takeaways. So our evocative question for today is, um, who are your role models as a woman? Um, Oftentimes, as this is a newer situation where women are starting to earn more and a growing situation, there aren't great role models. So looking to see the women who are earning more and balancing and men you know, looking to see where the woman's earning more and other families and balancing and really use them um, as role models. Right. So shifting from Doris Day, Martha Stewart role models to, you know, who's doing it, who's doing life in a way that you really um, admire and respect. Um, And it may be somebody who, when you ask them to do something, said no. And you're like, oh, I want to know how to be able to say no that clearly and respectfully. Uh, We're so definitely going to do a show on saying no, Emily. Yeah, I think That's you're a right. Great topic and, our inspiring, and so important. Our, our inspiring invitation is uh, see if there's one small step that you can take um, from what you heard today that can support you in co-creating a new approach to financial inequality that you may be having with your life partner. We covered a lot of territory. Uh, we have some useful tools for you. We talked about Rocking Your World by Jenny Garrett. Bread Widow Wives and the Men They Marry by Randy Minotaur, and there's also The Richer Sex by Liza Mundy. Those are three great books that all address this issue. Um, we also spoke about our rich life portfolio. Yeah, and, I was um, going to say... Go ahead, Em. 
we have our Rich Life portfolio, and we have our prenup counseling and coaching for couples, and you can find out more about that at wealthlegacygroup.net. Thanks so much. We look forward to speaking with you guys next week. Yeah. Thanks so much. Great, great show, and we look forward to your feedback. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.